Good morning, everybody. I'm so so thankful to have like these these moments. You know, um, it makes for kind of a full service, but it's so lovely to just remember. So obviously, remembering the advent of Jesus coming uh, to be with us—that's huge. But then to remember like some of these stories uh, that that are just happening, right? These are just a few stories of what God is doing in our actual midst, like our people, our family. Um, it's just such a beautiful reminder. Our approach to Advent this year has been looking at these important uh, concepts like hope, love, joy, peace, and looking at them, though, and not saying, um, are you experiencing them perfectly? If not, then you are inadequate at Christmas time. I think sometimes that's how we feel. Um, but to remember that the whole point of Advent is Jesus came because we did not have hope. He came because we did not have love. He came because we did not have joy, because we did not have peace. And so the reminder is in, in these stories of our, our own beautiful family members just saying, I, I basically was going in my life and limping along, and I'm finding even in my pain and suffering, Christ there. Uh, Emmanuel, God with us there in the midst of it. That, that's our whole point. That's what we've been preaching through. That's what we've been talking about with these candles. And it's what led me this week to open up YouTube and search for the phrase, uh, dad saves. Okay, dad saves. So you can do this at home, and it's actually, I guarantee you, it's totally worth your time. It's a fun family activity. Just type in dad saves into YouTube, and what you'll find are kids uh, swimming at the beach, uh, kids climbing on walls, kids sitting on the couch, and then inevitably these kids have some sort of like tumble or spill or they, their bike, you know, goes out of control and goes out into the street. Sounds terrible so far, right? But then dad saves, okay? So dad is right there and out of nowhere, there's no dad in the frame, but all of a sudden out of nowhere, dad comes and grabs the kid in the bike and saves the day. Or um, dad like catches a kid off the wall. A kid had no idea dad was there, but dad was there and caught him. My favorite one was uh, dad was napping on the couch and I was like, this is relatable. And, um, and there was a baby like up, up by his head and the dad is just asleep. I mean, he like, you can see it on the video. He's just absolutely asleep. And the kids decide he wants to do a somersault. And so he somersaults. And as he's beginning to fall, I imagine for the baby, just thinking, oh, shoot, you know. And, um, and dad is there. Doesn't even open his eyes. Just boom, the hand comes out and catches the baby. It's unbelievable. And it's like, you know, um, no one tells you this. But like I, I experienced it. Like when I became a dad, I suddenly got these like superhuman reflexes. And I've had a few epic saves of my own. Nobody got them on camera, unfortunately. But it's like a thing. And I think that's just, that's kind of the point of our sermon series is that's what it is like with God, right? We go through our life and we feel pretty alone and we feel like in these moments like, okay, the, the, you know, like this is what it feels like to tumble off the couch and I'm going to land on my head. And all of a sudden this big, strong dad arm just appears out of nowhere and saves the day. Um, the, the reality in all these situations is, of course, dad was there the entire time, right? But the kid had no idea. Well, these are the stories we've been looking at. And we looked everything from the Garden of Eden. We looked at... Um, uh, Hagar. I almost said Rahab. We looked at Hagar, and uh, we looked at the, the nation of Israel. This morning, we are uh, we are looking in the book of First Kings um, at the prophet Elijah in the, in First Kings seventeen. So, if you have your Bible and want to open to First Kings seventeen, do it with me. I'll put the verses on the screen. This is uh, a really beautiful, but but really, um, it's a fascinating story of a time that God was there. Uh, in a time that it didn't seem like God was there. So I want to start here reading in verse 1. We're introduced to the story. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my words. So 
Here's Elijah, comes out of nowhere, that we haven't been introduced to him at all, but here he comes and he's speaking on behalf of God and he just comes into the nation of Israel, stands before the king and says, there's going to be a drought, okay? So that's like, that's power to get to just stand there before the king and just be like, hey, here's what's going to happen with the weather, you know? And he just announces that and there's this boldness. Here's, here's the thing. Um, it's a, it's a drought that he's predicting, and what's happening here? Okay, this is God telling him, I'm going to cause a drought here. Um, the problem with this, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome that God's, like, working and acting. God's there. But the problem is that God is creating a crisis here, okay? We know, better than a lot of the world, droughts are bad, okay? And back then, they didn't have the infrastructure that we have. They didn't have, like, ways to kind of make it manageable or whatever. Um, droughts were terrible. Droughts were, like, life-ending, society-ending, these horrible things. And so here comes God into the midst of Israel's story, sending a crisis to them. Now, I want to put it like this. There's a big picture to this that's really, really lovely, okay? And in the big picture, um, there's this nation that's been brought into this promised land. They've been given it by God. God's like, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you. But these people have been worshiping God or worshiping false gods instead of the true God, okay? So they've been idolatrous, and God keeps calling them back again and again and again, but they keep going away. And so the beautiful big picture is God brings a drought so that people will begin, to, they're looking to all these other gods, and they're going to ask these gods, please provide for us, like give us food, and they're going to begin to realize like, huh, maybe our God isn't listening because maybe our God's not there, and eventually they see and learn, okay, God is the one true God. Yahweh is our one true God in all this. There's a beautiful big picture. The problem is this moment in the big picture is this moment of crisis where God himself is bringing this crisis and leading his man of God to come and say, hey, here's this crisis that I'm going to create. This creates a, a lot of, let, let me just say, theological tension, okay? And here's the reality. The reality is that God is sovereign, okay? And this is a tough thing. It's easy for us to say God is sovereign when he comes in and saves the day, right? It, it's, an, it's another thing to be like Kevin, who's standing up here and saying, I think God, that God gave me a stroke. Now, he didn't say that instantly, right? But he can see in the midst of this whole thing, like, I like, thank God for this stroke because I can see the beautiful big picture of what God was weaving, right? Um, here's a few verses that I want you to consider, and these are tough, but they're good, okay? Ephesians 1, 11. He says that we have been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So here's God working in all things somehow work according to the counsel of God's will. Proverbs 16.33 is nuts. Um, the lot, it's like a dice. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Um, this is God just like somehow working in these big things. And then Isaiah 45.7, this adds a layer. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. So this is, this is tricky, okay? I, I want to I lay this out as a theological undergirding to the story that we're going to see this morning. But here's God just not ashamed to say, like, yes, I'm behind it. What you're experiencing, yes, I'm behind it. It's easy for me to explain it when things are good and God heals that person or God, um, you know, gives us this really like meet cute situation to meet our spouse and like, look, God is sovereign. It's so beautiful. But in the hard things, um, times when I would be shy about saying, well, yeah, I mean, God was in that, in the, in the heartbreak, in the devastation, in the crisis, God is never shy about claiming credit for saying, yes, but I am in all of the details. The, the beauty of that is 
God's a, a God that's so good with the big picture. It's beautiful in the big picture. The hard thing is we have to live through the small picture, right? We have to live through the hard times. And the hard thing is to see God in the meantime. But we're going to see it a few times this morning, okay? So what happens? Here's a drought. God's creating a crisis. What's going to happen through all this? God is going to provide. And he's going to provide in an unusual way. Look in verse 2. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So here is God's unusual provision, all right? Um, now, here, here's the deal. So this is awesome. This is awesome. God's providing for Elijah. But think about the, the juxtapositions here. So first verse, he's bold before the king. Like, go, go in there and tell the king how it's going to be, right? So Elijah goes, and he's following God by being bold and standing in this position of speaking truth to power. It's really cool. Then Elijah follows God, and in that season it looks like, go here, off into the wilderness, find this little tiny brook that's going through here, and hide yourself there, and I'll make sure that I take care of you in these really bizarre, miraculous ways. Like, both cases, Elijah's following God's plan, right? Elijah's following God's guidance, but in one case, he's in this really privileged, awesome, powerful spot, and the next, he's just hiding and barely, like, living alive, right? But both cases, he's following God's plan. There's a difference, I think, to the seasons that God puts us in, and it's really really tricky to, um, to see, okay, both, both cases, right? What, what does it look like when we're following God? Well, it could look like things are going great, or it could look like you're barely alive. But both cases, you might be following God's will. So God supernaturally provides for him. Okay, ravens coming and bringing food, it's genius, right? It's amazing. There's a little brook of water. Um, but here's the thing. Brook is about as small of a term for a body of water as you can get, right? Ocean, lake, pond, river, stream, brook, like it's just barely has enough water. But he's going to get his water from this brook. And he's going to have food twice a day, okay? So God's providing for him, like only the important meals, breakfast and dinner. He's good, okay? God's going to provide for him. And he's giving him bread and meat, right? Only the two important food groups. He doesn't even bother messing with the vegetables or anything. So God's got him, right? But just think how wild this would be for Elijah to sit here and be like, okay, so okay, Lord, I trust you. I get it. Okay, the water, that makes sense. But like, you're going to bring my food by ravens? Like that, that feels weird, right? Doesn't it feel weird? And did you have practical questions in your head about like what this looked? Because I, I definitely do. And I guarantee Elijah did, right? So, uh, okay, so meat. So maybe there, is he going to like catch like a ferret or something and drop it off and I'll cook it? Or like, is this like a butcher slab of meat or something? I don't know. The bread one, I don't even, like how is he bringing bread? Where is he getting the bread from? And he's bringing it. But like somehow, in God's miraculous provision, he's got breakfast and he's got dinner and, um, and it's like a, a croissant and some sausage or it's like a baguette and a steak for dinner. I don't know, right? But think of every day uh, Elijah has to get up in the morning and he's like, okay, God miraculously fed me with ravens yesterday, but this morning there's no food, right? And so he drinks from the, the stream and then sure enough, here come the ravens and they feed him, right? And twice a day they're feeding him. God's provision is weird and it's unusual and it's like, it's, it's very much that daily bread kind of a thing that Jesus teaches us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. He's not stockpiling. This isn't a model of surplus here at all, but God is providing everything that he needs. Now, uh, so crisis solution. God's amazing in this. Now, Let's take another round of it. Now we find another crisis, 
and more provision. Verse 7. After a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the, the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. I'm just going to stay up front. I have a huge problem with Elijah's manners in this whole thing. Um, pretty demanding, um, pretty stereotypical male uh, here, I think. But here's another crisis, which is this. God had been providing for him through the brook, right? But then what happens? The brook dries up, okay? So the thing that was a solution now presents a new crisis. And so here's Elijah. God supernaturally cared for me, but now that source of God's supernatural care has vanished. And what do I do now? And I, I don't know why. I find that so relatable, too, because there's these seasons, right, where we pray, God, would you provide? Would you, would you heal? Would you give us what we need? And then God answers that prayer. And it's amazing, right? We can see, okay, God, thank you so much. You were there. You were present. You answered what I needed. And then that answer to prayer disappears, right? So, so I did a funeral yesterday for somebody um, that we prayed for healing, and God healed them, right? And then two years later, that person passed. Now, I get it. Like, that's how life works. Uh, maybe Jesus will come back really soon, and, and that will be amazing. But statistically and realistically, we're all going to die at some point, right? And so there's going to be these miraculous seasons of healing, and then there's going to come that time when that prayer that everyone's offering on our behalf of, God, please heal him, does not get answered, and we do go home to be with the Lord. Like, that's just the hard reality of the whole thing. There's these sources of provision that God brings into our life, and they're amazing, and we enjoy them, we see God's hand, but then eventually those things disappear, and we begin to wonder, like, God, why? Like, why, why are you even provide for me if you're not going to do the same thing the next time? And so Elijah has to deal with the brook that supernaturally was keeping him alive, dries up, and God says, okay, but don't worry, don't worry. I have a, um, another thing for you. I have a next thing for you. I'm going to send you to a new form of unusual provision. And that's this. Go to Zarephath. So he goes out there, and this is like Jezebel's territory, okay? This is like a dangerous place to be. Where you'll find out if you read more of the book of 1 Kings. It's also where Baal is worshipped. And so he's taking him into this hostile place, and he's saying, I'm going to provide you for you there, not by ravens this time, but with a widow. Now, widows are amazing, um, but in that setting, and that, there, there were literally laws in the Torah, in God's law, about providing for widows, because one thing widows weren't, weren't known for was being able to be um, self-sufficient and sustain and be generous with all their stuff, right? They, they had lost their source of provision and income, and so they were barely hanging on, and so God's law is very clear on, like, care for these human beings. And here God's saying, Elijah, I'm going to care for you through a widow. Go off into this deep place in the middle of a, a drought, and you're going to be fed there by a widow. So Elijah goes, and he, and he leaves the spot that was safe, and goes, sees by the well, here's this widow, sure enough, right? And so he says, could you get me some water? She's like, sure thing. Gets him some water. And then he's like, could you also bring me a cake? And it's like, that's awesome. God is providing for him. But there's another twist, okay? Another crisis, more provision, this time round two, because here is the crisis that Elijah discovers in verse 12. She said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So I just want to say, what? 
what? This is God's provision for Elijah. Go there. I've got this widow set up, and she's going to provide for you, right? And Elijah goes, and he's like, oh, awesome. I am so thirsty. Could I have some water? I could, I'd love a cake right now. And she's like, here's the thing. I'm getting a couple sticks because I'm literally going to bake a last meal for my son and I, and then we are going to die because this is all we have. God sent Elijah. His source of provision was a woman with, who was literally like on death row preparing her last meal. Like this is God's great answer to Elijah's need. Isn't that messed up? I just think it's so, it's so messed up. And I, I would love for Elijah to be more um, sensitive to the situation too. But I just feel like, you know, a lot of times in life, we're praying for something and, and we think it looks like God's going to come through. He tells us something, gives us some direction. Um, and then it's like, it's like, man, it's like God juked or something like that, right? He like faked us out and it's like, oh no, that, that job offer you thought you were getting doesn't, didn't materialize, right? Um, that healing that you thought was coming actually, nope, that was just the doctor misread the chart or whatever it is, right? And you're just in this spot of like, God, I thought you were going to provide for this whole thing. Here's what happens next. Uh, verse 13. Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, which let me just point out is messed up. She just said that she was going to make a last meal and then eat it and die. Elijah's like, yeah, don't worry, go do that. <laughs> and it, but it gets worse. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. So like, let's make that last meal smaller even than you thought it was going to be. So messed up. But don't worry. God is in the big picture. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. She went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. So I think in this whole thing, once again, it's like God is, God's just working. So now think for Elijah how, how like, God, where are you at? Think from the widow's perspective, okay? She's sitting here and she's like ready to make her last meal. Like this is desperate times. And I'm sure she's called out to God. God, please, would you provide? Please, would you help me? And can you see God miraculously met her needs by sending her another mouth to feed? Sending her this guy that's like, well, yeah, yeah, eat your last meal, but first make some for me. Like, that's how God was providing for her. It's insane. It's insane. But it's this reminder that, like, God's provision for us often looks so much smaller and so much more meager. And sometimes it looks like bad news, right? Like, it really does look like bad news in many cases. But here is God giving her, like, one meal at a time, okay? Because here's what she had to do. The, 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 uh, the jug of oil never ran out. The jar of flour never ran out. Um, but what she had in it every day was enough to make a last meal for herself and her son, and I guess now Elijah, and, and, and that was it, right? Every day she had just enough to make her last meal and then wake up the next day. Okay, God, are you going to provide for me today? Sure enough, there's enough left over in this jar that I can make one more meal. Like this is, give us this day our daily bread. This is God's, this is what God with us looked like for this widow and for Elijah in this season where he gave them just these tiny little bits, just enough to get through. It's like I can hear God saying like, look, one day I'm going to fix, one day the rain's going to come. And man, the, the earth is going to be abundant again. One day you're going to have surplus. You're going to have extra. This is going to be amazing. But in the meantime, I'm giving you enough to make a meal and you're going to be alive. You're going to make it through this because one day at a time, I'm going to provide for you. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And that's, that's Emmanuel. That's how God with us really works. But, okay, 
we're about to see another crisis and more provision, round three this time, okay? So verse 17. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to bring, uh, you've come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? I, I think the craziest twist in this, again, God saves. There, there's this provision, right? It's miraculous. It's amazing. But here it is. The whole point of it, I think, from the widow's perspective is, thank God he's, he's sparing me and he's saving the life of my son, right? But here we are, and now the son gets sick. And now the son dies. And God, somehow in his wisdom, in the big picture sense, allows the son to die. And this is crazy, right? So she's just sitting here like, why, why did you even come here? Like she's saying that to her like what, like, what is this kind of provision that leads to now my son being dead and this whole thing? And she, in her mind, what comes to the front is this thought that is not accurate, but actually, if we're honest, is really common. She says, God's just brought you here to punish me for my past sin. Like, that's what she says. I think that's a very relatable concept, right? Like, I knew it. I always knew something bad would happen to me because of what I did in the past. And I want to say that's so human. Like, it's so common for us to feel that way. But it's also theologically completely inaccurate. Like, this is not how God works. God does not come back and keep punishing us for our sins and the bad things. The gospel is all about how Jesus was punished for our sins so that we could have the grace and connection with God. But here she is. She's in this low place. And here's Elijah just crying out like, God, why? Like, what's the point in all of this? Um, what's the point of your provision if it runs out? What's the point of your provision if you save us from one crisis only to be destroyed in the next one? And so here's what happens next. Verse 21. Then Elijah stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again and he revived. This, to me, is the most crazy bit of, like, provision that God gives, because it, it is, it does not look like provision. It looks like an end, right? The child died. It's so difficult. But what God is proving here is not only does he provide, not only is he there, not only does he, like, supernaturally keep things going longer than they should, he's also proving now the opportunity to say, yes, and I'm also a God that when things are dead, I am a God of resurrection. I'm a God that takes the things that were like in the ground and done and this story is over and I say, but hang on, there's another chapter to this whole thing. See, I mean, back to, back to the reality that like all of us, like Jesus, come back now. That would be amazing. I would love it. Let's go. We don't have to experience death. We can be with him forever. It'll be amazing. But, but again, like we're going to die. Like that's going to happen um, unless he comes back soon. We're going to die. And, and so there's this reality that like, okay, yes, at some point God's provision runs out and we breathe our last, and we stand before him, but here's the reality. He's a God of resurrection, and Jesus himself, this is not just our story. This is his own story. He made it his own story by coming to us, okay? And this is what we celebrate at Christmas is here we are in this flawed, broken world. We had not made the world a hospitable place, but God himself comes into it, and he comes in the person of Jesus. He comes as a baby, and he's there, and he's with us, and he comes, lives this perfect life, and at the end of it all, what does he get? The provision runs out. He begs God, please let this cup pass from me. And he, but he says, not my will, but yours be done. There's a prayer that's left unanswered. And Jesus dies, right? 
but he is a God of resurrection. And he comes alive. And because he lives, we get the opportunity to live. And so I don't, it doesn't matter how your story ends. Like I, it matters, but I'm just telling you in the big picture sense, it doesn't matter because your story is going to end with an unanswered prayer at the end of it all. Someone's going to be praying that you pull through, but it's going to end with one at least unanswered prayer. But then there's resurrection. And this is exactly what Jesus does here. Sorry, uh, it, well, it is Jesus, but you know, through the Lord himself, um, through Elijah, raises this child and just showing you're never beyond Emmanuel in this. Just because we don't see the big picture doesn't mean that it doesn't work out. And here it works out. And look what it ends with. This is verse 23 and 24, the end of the chapter. Elijah took the child, brought him down from the upper chamber into the house, delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. I think what she's recognizing here in seeing Elijah is she's recognizing Emmanuel, right? At the end of all this, all the craziness, all of, uh, all of it, she gets her son back and she's like, now I see God has been here, right? God has been with me. And through the presence of Elijah, um, through the words that Elijah spoke, but God has been present with me here in the midst of it. I, as I look back over this, I think, I mean, God was there with him the whole time, right? Like, we know that. God was there. That's like theologically true. God was there the whole time. I wonder at what point in the story uh, would it be reasonable for them to have acknowledged that God was with them? You know? Like, is it, is it like right at the beginning when the drought comes and he's being fed by ravens? Acknowledge God? Sure, of course. But I, I acknowledge, be tough. When the, when the brook dries up, it'd be tough to acknowledge God's presence there. When he goes and, and the, the jar is, go, like, at what point in this will we be like, hey, now you need to be able to see it. God is there present working. And I think we could be pretty rough on Elijah and the widow of like, hey, like, no fear, no, no questions. Just God provides. Know that he's there, right? But when we ask the question to ourselves, okay, you think of your life and you think of everything that's happening. You think of everything that's not happening. You think of all the prayers that you've been praying for. You think of all the heartbreak you've experienced. And you think, okay, at what point in this big picture of my life is it reasonable for me to stop and say, okay, yeah, at that, by this point, I should have recognized that God is with me. Like, what's that point in your life? Because I'm pretty sure when we're in the hardest moments, it's often, um, often we're just completely blind <laughs> to God's presence. But I think what we're learning, what we're seeing, what we're being reminded of is he's there every step of the way. People sometimes recognize it and people sometimes don't recognize it, but he's there. And so wherever you're at, whatever you're experiencing, uh, whatever life is like in the midst of this whole thing, I just want to invite us to acknowledge, um, to, to, to reflect theologically on the truth that, that we know that's basic. God is always there. Like he's there. Emmanuel is real. Uh, he is with us. We celebrate the fact that he came to earth as a baby in Jesus, like uh, at Christmas, okay? So that is like where we're headed in this next week is into that, that bold uh, remembrance and recognition. But I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter how you feel. If you're, if you're on the mountaintop, like that's awesome. God's with you there. That's, the, to be perfectly honest, that's how I feel right now. Like things are great. I'm blessed. Uh, God is with me and I know that. If you're at the bottom of it all, if you're, if you're celebrating like the hardest realities, if you're just staring down the barrel of that right now, just know God is there. And I'm going to invite you to just pray for awareness. I think that's what I'm really getting at. I want you to pray for the awareness of the fact that God is there. Um, just ask him. Like, Lord, we've seen so many stories. We've heard so many stories. These candles are this picture of the fact that God is there when things are hard. Um, I want us to pray and just ask to be aware. 
Um, so that's one thing. The second thing I want us to do, kind of in response to all this, is I, I, want, I want us just to hold before the Lord a little bit of gratitude and just saying, okay, look, I, like, things are hard, right? We're all in different places, um, but, but you're okay. And the reason I know you're okay is because you're here right now. And the reason you're here right now is because God's gotten you through a lot of difficult things in your life. And so we're here and we're okay. And, and that's, that's a, a thing that should lead to a lot of gratitude before the Lord of saying, God, please remind me that you're with me. And may I just thank you so much. Thank you for being with me in the hard things. The things that are happening now, the things that have happened in the past, he continues to carry us through. Maybe it's just the daily bread kind of a thing. But man, that is, that is not nothing. That is amazing provision from the Lord. So we're going to continue to sing, and, um, and I, I just want to invite us to reflect um, an awareness of God's presence and a gratitude for the ways he's carried us through. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the ways that you've cared for us and provided for us every day of our lives until now. And Lord, I just, um, I'm just so thankful for a reminder that, that I don't need to feel or see or recognize your presence for, the, for you to be present, Lord. And, and you just have proved that over and over and over again, that you are here, that you are present, that you are with me. Lord, as we celebrate Christmas this week, would you just set our hearts on that? Would you tune our ears to be able to hear these notes of grace and this reminder that you are present with us, that, that you coming as a baby proved that you wanted to be with us, that you desire, long for uh, our presence with you. Lord, what a gift. What an amazing thing. Lord, and I pray for my brothers and sisters especially that are in a place where uh, they acknowledge or want to acknowledge your presence with them, but it's been a long time since they've felt any sort of sense of your presence. I pray, Lord, that you would give them this week the gift of some acknowledgement, some reminder, whether that comes through a word directly spoken to them whether it comes from a friend or somebody, whether it comes from a song, whatever it is, Lord, would you speak to us and remind us that you are here, that you are with us, that you love us. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for Emmanuel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.